Those of you who are online, you're in all kind of different weather patterns, so bless you. And uh, those of you who are where it's about 80 degrees right now, shame on you. But uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your encouragement this morning. We thank you, Father, for your restoration this morning. We thank you for the precious call of your Holy Spirit upon us. We thank you for anointed worship to you, Lord. And we thank you, Father, for hearts that are knit to you, hungry for you, committed to you. Father, help us this morning to receive the essence of what it is the Spirit is saying in this hour, in this moment. Not only, Father, to us and to this church, but Lord, to the kingdom and to the earth. Let the words go forth, Father, and we thank you for it. You be glorified, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, uh, sometimes things manifest in the present to give us an illumination of what's happening in the spirit. Isn't that true? And oftentimes we let it pass right by us. We don't catch the significance of it. Well, something very significant occurred here for this building. Yes, uh, the painting's almost done, and thank you for all those who've worked hard and contributed, uh, especially Pastor Bruce and Jimmy and Patty, and, and then, of course, uh, Eric, and then Brian, who's not here, and some others who have contributed to this uh, and helped it. And, and yes, we have new windows, and that's wonderful too, but something very quietly happened. And um, when we were leaving here the other night, we looked up, and our tower was lit up. Yes. There was a glow in the tower, in the bell tower of this steeple, and you could see it from afar and you could see it close and um, I began to wipe some tears from my eyes as I pulled out onto the street because of a prophecy that the Lord had placed on this house many years back um, and it was from a woman who like myself would walk around here and pray for the, the Lord this was before we even had the building this was back in 1999, and uh, she had a prophecy, and she wrote it down, and she shared it at that time with the pastor who was at this church, and it was Old North Church, and she said the Lord showed her that there would be glory that would come as if it were out of the bell tower, out of the tower of this house, and that that glory would touch the world, and that it would spread not only in this area, but would go much further and that it would be a tower of glory unto the kingdom of God and a restoration of glory unto the kingdom of God. And as I saw that LED lighting and the light shining in the bell tower and up on the steeple, I said, Lord, your word is so true. We've not yet begun to do what you've called us to do, but Father, I believe this is significant. So. When you have nothing else to do and you want to take a little ride, uh, drive by the steeple at night and take a peek and take a look and say a prayer and give the Lord the glory. Amen. Let's give him a hand. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I've been seeking the Lord, as I typically do, of what's next, Father? What is the Spirit saying? Um, we don't even need to bog ourselves down with the, the pending election in a couple days. God's got that controlled. Amen. Uh, just thank him for it Amen. and uh, pray for what comes afterwards, especially 2022, which we'll begin to focus on soon, I'm sure. Um, I've seen some things, I've heard some things, but let's get done with where we're at right now. But this I did hear clearly from the Lord. And it's inspired out of the book of Revelation and, of course, in other places in text. And it's out of the, uh, chapter 18. Now, you've heard me say many times I'm very cautious about teaching uh, eschatology. I'm very cautious about presenting a roadmap in the book of Revelation. 
because I've lived long enough in the Lord now over 40 years to realize that nobody who thought they had it right had it right. And, and somehow they've been silenced. Um, the ones who said we were going to fly away already. Uh, they're not flying and they're not talking about it anymore, are they? And uh, the other ones who claimed that it was the late great planet Earth and something was going to happen in 88 didn't happen. Um, whenever anybody tries to define God's prophecy to the point that they have the roadmap, um, be careful. God will say things to us, and certainly if, if it's anointed of God as an oracle and he requires us to, we say it. But God's plan is God's plan. And um, isn't it interesting that only he and the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit knew his plan with the first coming of Jesus Christ? And Jesus Christ himself has said that the hour for the second coming, only the Father knows. How arrogant for people to think they know when only the Father knows, not even Jesus Christ knows. And so all the little details we can begin to watch, and it's very easy for us to look in the mirror in retrospect and say, oh, yes, oh. For example, how many really understood the gravity of Israel being born in a day in 1948? Christianity didn't really even catch on to it until the 70s and 80s and basically the 80s. And Christian Zionism was almost like something everybody was afraid to touch in the 80s. And yet there were a few that saw it. And so we see this over and over in our lives and in Scripture. Well, the Lord spoke to me. And he said, son, now's the time to begin to proclaim to come out. And not the kind of come out that uh, gets heralded when gay people come out of the closet. We're talking about coming out of Babylon. We're talking about, um, we're talking about the, the, the uh, church of apostasy, but it's wrapped up with much more than that. So I want to touch on it a little today. I don't know if this will become a series or not. There's so much about it. Uh, I'm certainly writing about it, and we'll do some op-eds and releases on it because this is the time. But let's take our time and read some of that scripture starting in uh, Revelation uh, 18. And then we're going to backtrack a little bit to 17. And in 18, uh, this is scripture about the fall of Babylon. We'll discuss Babylon in a moment. And after these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and, he, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. Big angel, master angel. Could have been Michael, could be Gabriel, could be one that's been preserved just for this time to bring that message. And he cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon the great, emphasis the great. Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. Come out of her, my people. Unless you share in her sins and unless you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. Now render her just as she rendered to you and repay her double according to her works in the cup which she has mixed, mixed double for her. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxurious, luxuriously, in the same measure, give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen and am no widow and will not see sorrow. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord your God who judges. And the kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning. 
Go down to 11. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buys their merchandise anymore. And the merchandise is described in verse 12 of gold, silver, precious stones, pearls, and fine linen, purple and silk and scarlet and all fine and wood and all manner vessels of ivory and all manner vessels of most precious wood and all brass and iron and marble and cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beasts and sheep and horses and chariots and slaves and souls of men and souls of men and souls of men and the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from you and all things which are dainty and godly goodly are departed from you and you shall find them no more at all and the merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand far off for the fear of her for for torment weeping and wailing <clears throat> may the lord add to his word now, let's discuss a moment about the historical basis, the foundation, and the spiritual understanding of Babylon today, the great Babylon today. There was a former Babylon, which we'll moment, and there was another Babylon, but this is the great Babylon. And the great Babylon was reserved for this moment today. And we see in chapter 17 of Revelation that it's a great mystery. And in verse 5 it says, Upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots, and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when, our, when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. This was John, the revelator, who was seeing these things, and his first reaction was to have admiration for this great whore, this great mystery, Babylon, because it was that seductive, that enticing, that delusional. And I recall a vision that God gave me in 1980. He gave me a whole bunch of them in that period of time, and I reserved most of them and just to recall it another time. And I saw that. I saw this, this apparently, now I understand, the great Babylon, the mystery, and she was really decked out, and she was seductive, and she looked young, and she looked as if she was enticing. But then the Lord pulled away the veil, and what I saw was a naked, old, withered, speared woman. And she was crying out, and she was weak, and she had no power left in her, and no beauty left in her. And now I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying to me, Tell my people to come out. Now's the time to come out. One of the things that inspired this was what has been circulating, many of you have seen, written by who was the former archbishop, the head bishop of the United States, who's in protest about the Catholic Church right now. And his writing is somewhat amazing. And the way he ties it all together, and he pulls no punches about the present pope, about Bill Gates, about the present uh, situation of politics here in this country and world powers and systems. And he gives out quite a warning and caution. But at the same time, he, he puts his faith in God because he understands what the final chapter is. And just a week ago, uh, the whole world, because the Roman Catholic Church and the spinoffs of the Catholic religion are the very largest identified Christian faith in the world, almost 1.3 billion known uh, Catholics. That's big. Nothing comes even close to it in, other, in any other way. And they have a leader, and he's the Pope. And this Pope calls himself the Vicar of Christ. Well, and literally, as Revelation said, there would be someone who would stand up and take upon him a name of God. A Vicar of Christ means that that's a person that's almost equal to Christ, if not equal to Christ. And so something came out of this pope's mouth. Uh, he calls himself Francis. Well, if you do the history on Francis of Assisi, there's some issues there as well. So maybe he named himself accurately. 
Um, but in this issue, he, cri- he said, he just established and put it out there without the edict of the Council of Cardinals. He did it himself that he is saying that he approves of same-sex union. He approves of same-sex union. So basically, he has blessed the total uh, genderization of identity. It's gone. And um, I don't know that maybe I was that far off when I said a couple weeks ago in jest that seemed to been picked up by most publications that what is next, animalism? And will it not even be perverse to have sex with a cow? I'll say it again because what is going to stop from anything at this point? What is going to stop from anything? And uh, I responded and wrote back uh, to the senior editor at the Washington Post and I said, you realize now there are 15 known genders that have actually been substantiated. Not one, not two. Two sexes, male and female, but they're totally neutralizing it, diluting it, eliminating it with 15 declared genders. I don't even understand what they say. But I know what the last one is. It's, it's, it's equal to a word called like the, fir- the third version. And what it means is it can be anything you want to be. So one of them who actually was in that blog uh, representing that notion that we're, we have the right to be anything we want to be said, if you want to be a helicopter, you're a helicopter. If, he literally said that. So I wrote back, I want to be an F-18 so that I can take out my frustration on everybody. The third version. So otherwise, the caveat is whatever you want now. Whatever you're not, and shame on you if you tell somebody they don't have the right to be that. Shame on you if you oppose it, or shame on me if I preach against it. Wow, I'm telling you that I stir up a firestorm. I'm going to keep stirring it up. The Lord says, come out. Well, people can't come out if they don't know what they're in. And there are three types of men, are there not, that we understand in Scripture? There's a natural man, and the natural man is where many are lost. And then you have the babies, those that are feeding on the milk and have just come into the Lord. And then you have the new creation man and woman, the one that's strong and mature and moving in God. If new creation men and women don't cry for people to come out, they will not come. Because the power is in the word of what we have. But if we don't express that word, if we are intimidated by the great whore Babylon, which one of its greatest intimidations is to be able to use deception, power, control, and fear. So we must resist all of those. The opposite of deception is knowing the truth. And when you expose a deceiver, that deceiver then has to make a choice, either to live in the deceit, and other people have to make the choice, accept the deceit or reject it. Intimidation by fear and manipulation has always been the devil's weapons. And he is absolutely the only thing other than God Almighty that he fears that he still believes somehow he's going to topple. The only thing that he fears is the word of God coming out of new creation men and women. That is it. So this kind of a message, this kind of faith, this kind of determination, it goes right to the core of the, if you will, DNA of the great whore Babylon. Now, we're going to talk about that a little bit more so that we get a great understanding of what we're saying. But I also want to start with this. I know all of the teachings and all of the... uh, uh, prophecies and the eschatology of some that want to put the whole great whore Babylon on the Catholic Church and call the Pope the Antichrist. I know all of that. That's not it at all. It could well be a part of it, but it's not it at all. Beloved, we are not ones who should look for the speck in somebody else's eye when we've got a telephone pole in our own. And so I could go down to denominations right now and begin to point out a lot of problems. Do you know that the Protestant denomination, Protestant, the category of Protestants is almost one billion, but in it is everybody, Lutherans, Episcopalians, the East Orthodox Church, all kind of different churches and functions. 
Do we need to stand back and include Pentecostal, charismatic, non-denominational and begin to say there's no problems there? Do we need to say that none of these Protestant denominations have validated same-sex marriage? Dare we say that they have not approved people to be in the pastorate and in pulpits that aren't walking pure with God? Dare we say that none of their leaders have fallen or should fall? Dare we say that there's not issues and sin and problems in every, every, every faith and religion and denomination there is? There's not one that's pure when you group them all together. So I'm not going to batter and, and, and beat up Catholics. I'm not going to do that. First and foremost, my father was one. He was born as one. He died as one. My grandmother hid him from his Jewishness so that he wouldn't be persecuted and ever have to suffer a Holocaust. He didn't know it until he was later in life. I remember once when I guess he must have been afraid that something was going to happen to me and he called me into the bathroom and my father wasn't intimate. We weren't intimate. My father was a colonel in the Air Force. That's what he retired as. My father was a government guy. My father was sent away by his family when he was very young in a depression on his own. And so to him, provision of a family was to work hard, in which he did, and to provide opportunity and to be an example of integrity and honor, which he was. But intimacy, he did not know. He did not know intimacy. So there was a moment when he called me once into his bedroom, which I found quite unusual. And I'm looking back at it, it was about eight years old, nine years old. And all of a sudden, he took out some water, and he had a little cloth over it. And now I understand he baptized me in the Catholic faith. I didn't know. I didn't know what it was. Apparently, he felt like maybe I was going to die or something, and my soul needed to be saved. I don't know what it was. But I know this, he loved the Lord with all his heart, and he feared God. And I know he loved my mother, and I know he loved his family. And I know he was a decent man. And I know that he was happy and proud when I preached to come and to receive and to support that. So I then went to a Catholic high school. Go figure that one out. <laughs> Maybe God was grooming me for such a time as this. Maybe because I attended a Jewish temple and I understand the Jewish faith and I understand the Catholic faith. And I have love that cannot be described for my Catholic family and my Jewish family. I often say, Lord, you made me a spiritual mutt. I'm a mutt. <laughs> and I had little stints in different little places. I had a little stint with the Mennonites. I love the Mennonites. I love them. And they loved me. And they accepted me at a time when I was broken and fragile and I didn't have a clue what to do. And I served as a messianic pastor. I dare not call myself a rabbi. Because I know what rabbis go through to become a rabbi in the Jewish faith. And not too many Christian rabbis have done that. 13 years of preparation, language, understanding. We must be respectful of people and who they are and what they are. Yes, rabbi's teacher. Okay, be a teacher. Be a teacher. Just like I wouldn't call myself Pope. Huh? Not especially now, would we? <laughs> so this Pope comes out and says that, but you see, something else happened. And what he did was he made a power move. Just like we see a power move being attempted right now in this country and in other countries all over, because that is the M.O. of the great mystery whore of Babylon. It's to make power moves of control. And it's to make it so it's a single source and to make the people subvert and submit to them. Whether it's under fear, manipulation, promises, social, economic, political, whatever it is, that's how that force moves. So what did this Pope do very quickly and quietly? But not so quietly, it rocked the church government. He appointed his goombas, as we would say, from Youngstown. He appointed his goombas as the closed council of cardinals. And he stacked 
the cardinals. Does this sound familiar? He stacked the cardinal government so that they would have to get through them to get to him. Basically insulated himself in his perversion. Now, I have not spoken like this about a pope or the pope. In fact, I quite liked Pope John. Being honest with you, I liked the guy. I liked what he stood for. I liked what he said. He loved his people. He seemed like a nice guy. He spoke a lot of language. What was that to like about the man? I liked him. But this guy, he's evil. He's evil. And he's bought in and sold himself to the great whore of Babylon. It's very clear. And there are a lot of sheep that love their church because it's their culture. I was reading some testimonies that were from people that was, a, was an old retired priest, an active priest, a nun, a couple young people, a couple young girls, 13, 14, 15, a couple people middle-aged, and they asked them, what is it that you like about your Catholic faith? And this isn't an old article, this is about 2019, because the Catholic Church is trying to answer a question, how do we hold on to our generations? How do we solve our problems? This coming after being rocked by pedophile, by the exposure of issues with young boys and priests. And this pope comes out and says this. I mean, I'm going to say it and they'll probably rack me for it. Is he trying to tell us how he is? How could you be the head of a religion and propose that if you're not trying to cover your own sin? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the question needs to be asked. Or maybe the answer is already known. And so, we see, we see this confluence, this merging of a lot of evil forces at one time together. And the great mystery, whore Babylon, has emerged here on this earth. In 2016, prior to the election, I had said that one of the assignments of this president was going to be to stop the acceleration of the economic system, the world system that was moving before its time. And that he was going to undo trade alliances and he was going to undo trade imbalances because the Lord said it was before its time. I still believe it's somewhat before its time. They're trying to push it because God still wants there to be a harvest of the souls that the great whore Babylon is trying to steal. It's about the souls. And it's about the opportunity for people to come out so that they are not ones that are included in the plagues and sins of the great whore mystery Babylon. It's time to come out. And so the way we need to pray, yes, come quickly, Lord Jesus, but before he comes and before you fly away in a rapture, you better be praying for the souls. Because you ain't flying away in a rapture before God accomplishes what he wants to do. Wake up, church. That is delusion of itself. That is a pride and an arrogance of Pentecostalism that we need to repent of. Because all it says is, I care about me. I just want to miss all of this. I'm not powerful enough. God's not powerful enough for me to overcome. Get me out of here because I'm good. Really? Really? When I first started preaching this message, they threw me out of a place in France. That's my wife. They said, if you keep preaching that, we can't have it. Even though people were getting healed and there was revival, I said, I got to preach it because you're all fooled. You're in delusion. Interesting. You know, they love polls about everything. Now, more people believe that there isn't this pre-trib rapture than believe it is because a lot of people say, hey, things ain't so good. How bad does it have to get before we prove an eschatology? It's a delusion. It's drinking a toxic, potent, to lull us to sleep. I'm not asleep, and I will fight till my last breath. Strong and then gone for the souls. The souls that the merchants of the great whore of Babylon are trying to purchase. If you read that and let your mind open up, you will see that John was describing everything. 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 
Everything material, everything of wealth, everything there was. He talked about horses and chariots. He didn't understand today's world. He just knows what he saw. It's all about the buying and selling. It's all about controlling as the merchants. I can't name a country. It's a country very dear to this ministry. But I can tell you this, and I know I'll come under flack for this, but I know this for a fact. Bill Gates has bought his way into the control of that country. The people in that country know it. And the army is responding to what he tells them to do. And that country has been locked down for a long time because he wants it that way. Don't you be deceived. Yes, you have issues. And yes, there's ways to stop. Locking down is ultimate control and manipulation of the people of God. Locking down and then taking away our identity and telling us, don't you dare come together and praise the Lord. Because if you do, you don't respect your fellow American. Really? Really? Wake up. Wake up what's upon us. It's not a time of, when is this going to come? Guess what? It's here. Listen to me. It's here. And God's crying out, come out. And so this pastor, this voice, I will be crying that till he takes me home. Come out. But we can't ask people to come out to something that's as sick as what they're in. The body of Christ is as sick as any of the denominations that are sick. It's all put together. One confluence merging together of sin, degradation, apostasy, selfishness, arrogance, pride. Come out. You know, at one time I thought it was going to be very lonely. Very lonely for me and my calling. But I'm beginning to get excited because I'm hearing a voice. I'm hearing a clamor. I'm seeing young people. I meant what I said in that Washington Post article. My faith and hope is for the young generation to come out. You know the good thing about them? You don't have to unlearn them about religion. They don't know religion. You have to unlearn them about a lot of other stuff, but the Lord will take care of that because guess what? He did it with me and you too, didn't he? Of course, we came in in perfect shape. We didn't have any problems. No, we were, we were a different generation. That's our hope. I believe there's a fire and a revival opportunity into young people who are looking for an answer and a response and the supernatural God that so many people like to post their ministries on and make their money on and go into business of the ministry with. He's showing themselves to people all over the world with ministries that aren't making a dime on it. Tell that to the Muslim sitting in Afghanistan or Iran or Saudi Arabia, and Jesus shows up and calls them out. That's how we need to pray, beloved. That's got to be our cry of our prayer. We pray so much for our own needs. We're here. We're here as the rescuers of the kingdom on earth. That's who we are. The word's called deliverer. In the Hebrew, it's Gael. Moses was a type of deliverer. Joseph was a deliverer. We're deliverers of our people, of the souls that have been written in the book of life. We're the ones that have to speak out and find them and offer them to come into something that's better, not worse. There's a clarion call going out from the earth. And that clarion call is saying, come out. Come out. Come out. So no way, my beloved Catholic brothers and sisters and family, come out. I don't care. If you call yourself a Catholic, I call myself a lot of things. 
I'm not asking you to quit praying the way you prayed. Pray. At least pray. It's a lot better than some people who don't pray at all. What I'm asking you to do is to come out from under the chains, the manipulation, the deceit, and the imprisonment of what has become very vile. You see, there's a delusion that happens to a lot of people in a lot of churches. Have you ever talked to somebody who's been in a church that they know has all kinds of problems, that there's sin in it, that it's being, that there's the wrong word being taught in it, and they say, well, God has me there to help change it. 20 years later, they ain't changed nothing. Huh? If you're here to change me, give up. <laughs> ain't going to work. Boy, did God name boards the right thing. Boring. God gets bored with boards in churches in the kingdom of God. Hmm? Boring. Bored. The word sounds bored. Boink. Okay, my wife's saying reset. Come out. I'm not going to get this done today. I already know I'm not. I'm so far away from sharing what needs to be shared. And so will it be a series? I don't know. I have no idea what the Lord will impress on me this time next week. I know what I'll try to release this week while everybody's eyes are on an election the Lord's turned my eyes onto the kingdom. God's got this election. It's not up to me anymore. And what the enemy determines for evil, God will make for good. But be rest assured of this, that all of the forces of the great whore, Mystery Babylon, will call what God makes good evil. That's what we live in. That's the time we were in. It's not coming. It's here. Good is evil, and evil is good. And the church of the apostasy is alive, sick, in hell. It's here. It's not coming. It's here. So, Let me just touch on a few more points. May I do that, please? Satan, in his realm and at that time, he had conquered Jesus on the cross. He killed him. He shamed him. He stole his soul. Some people don't like that preaching either. But the bottom line is, if all of that hadn't happened, we wouldn't be who we are today. Religion doesn't do us well. Before he went to that cross, he had a very, very potent and stinging message to the forces of religion that were in control in that day. He wasn't very polite, wasn't very patient. He echoed what his cousin John said, come out, repent, come out. There's another way, there's another time. This is your time. The Father laid all the sins of the world on Jesus. So much that the world itself mourned and cried out in the watch of that hour at three o'clock. Doom, gloom, darkness, because the light of the world was dead. The 
father turned his face away because the sin was far too much for him to fellowship with the son. Jesus was left alone. Satan triumphed. Tells us in Psalms that he took him down to the deepest chamber of his own palace in hell. Triumphed over him, mocked him. God knows only what happened there. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Jesus was left alone. And after he had suffered hell's agonies for those three days, and you see, we don't understand the measure of three days in God's kingdom, but a day is like a thousand years. He suffered for all the sins for you and for me and for everybody in the world. Everybody, everybody, whether their name was written in the book of life or not, so that the God of justice, the judge of the Supreme Court of the universe could be fair so that whomsoever shall call upon the Lord could be saved. How much sin was that? It's incomprehensible. But he suffered for it. And after he had paid the penalty, then God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit merged together and rose him from the dead. Triumphant. He overcame hell by his own blood. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And because he rose again and left our sins in hell where they belong, we too can be children of God with tremendous power. The power of his word, the living word. When we release that word, we are invading people with Jesus doesn't matter if they tell us they receive or not. They cannot resist the power of the light of Christ. They can refuse it, but they can't ignore it. Somewhere, somehow, at some time, in the deep cavities of their spirit and their mind and their heart, they show acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. And our prayer is that it's here in this life and not at the judgment seat. Jesus was made a new creation. Romans 8, 29, for whom he foreknew, he also foreordained to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among brethren. You and I, obedient to God, illuminated, understanding the time we live in, answering the call, repenting, laboring to be holy, not to be righteous. You can't earn that, but holiness you must labor in. Choices we make, Words we say and words we don't say. Things we do and things we don't do. Luxuries we put before God and luxuries we don't put before God. It's all our choices. It's all our choices. I was reading something that Billy Graham wrote. Only in 2019, <laughs> what a champion, what a general. Maybe because he knew his hours were numbered. But he said, life is but a wisp 
in the wind. Seconds, hours, minutes, days, weeks, years. What shall we do with the time that we have in this time now? What shall we do? What shall we do? Come out. Come out. That's not a call just for people lost in the world. That's a call to the body of Christ. Come out. Come out. Patty, I'm going to ask you to lead us in prayer right now. This isn't a moment to go with the agenda of our service. We'll get to the rest of it quickly. Come up here, right here, please. Thank you, Father. Lord, in this service, you plan from the beginning that you would meet us. And Father, you have met us in this house today. Lord, met us with healing and with restoration. Met us with your word and with your heart. Your heart, Lord. Lord, a transformed heart in your people. Father, transform our hearts today. Lord, as you bring us forth out and into deliverance, Lord, as you have delivered us, Father, as you have set our feet on solid ground, Father, set our eyes focused upon your word and upon kingdom principles, what you have and what you seek to do in this day, this time, and this hour. Lord, pull us out from the things that we've planted ourselves in that are unlike you, Lord, the things that need to be removed, pull us, Father. Take us, Lord. Place your word once again strongly in our mouths, O oh God. Let it be written upon our hearts that what comes out of our mouth will carry the power and the anointing of your presence to bring deliverance to people. Father, we hear your voice and we see you moving. Lord, don't let us hesitate in the hour and in the time of this season. But God, let us be willing to come to the front and to press into your heart that we might come out, Father, into the place that you have called us to go. Lord, each one has a different calling. Each one has a different purpose. But, Father, never let it be said that we didn't fulfill our place in the line of what you had, Lord, so that something was not accomplished. Father, we have days, we have minutes, and we have hours. But our eyes are upon you, O oh Lord. Do what needs to be done in our hearts. Father, we declare a deliverance upon your people today. Deliverance from the things that would pull us in the opposite direction of your purpose and of your plan. Father, that there would be a humility that would come upon us. Father, that we would not operate in pride, that we would operate in humility. And that our hearts would be burdened for those things that burden your heart. We thank you that you've already made a way for us. You've already taken care of us. Now, Lord, let us be as those that speak and declare and decree and pull those out of the fire. Let truth be revealed. Father, we declare truth in the atmosphere. We declare truth in our lives. We declare truth in the lives of those that we speak to, Father. We declare truth in the land. Let your truth prevail. Father, we thank you that you clothe us in truth. 
We thank you, Father, that the Holy Spirit of truth resides within us. Bring us to that place. Father, shake off every band, every band and every bondage now in Jesus' name. Lord, shake off everything that has us bound, oh God. Let our eyes see with clarity. Let our ears have ears that hear only what you speak. Father, we thank you for a fine-tuning. And we thank you, oh God, for your healing. We thank you, Lord, that this church, this, this people, that, that Lord, those that have called, been called as remnants have plowed through. Lord, now it's a time for planting. We thank you, Father, that we've plowed. Let truth prevail. And, Father, strengthen your people. Strengthen us, God, to receive the word of the Lord and to square our shoulders back and to do what you have placed in our hands to do in this hour, these days ahead. Father, we thank you for it. We thank you for a fresh anointing of your presence that will flow over us now, Lord. A fresh anointing of your presence, your love, your grace, your mercy, your kindness that never ends. Lord, let it flow, let it flow, let it flow. And Father, we declare a restoration in families. We declare a restoration, Lord, in homes. We declare restoration and healing in marriages. We declare restoration and healing between siblings. We declare restoration and healing, Lord, even for those that are struggling with you. Lord, those that are depressed, those that are downtrodden. Right now, Father, let healing flow and let your love be there. Father, we commit now that we are going to serve you and follow you all the days of our lives. And that, Lord, your power, your fire shall be present in our lives. And, Lord, it shall be a fire shut up in our bones that shall be released, that shall burn off what needs to be burned off in us first, that we might be pure vessels unto you and unto your service, Father. We love you, Lord. We commit. We take everything out of the way. And we commit all to you. Let there be no hindrance in our lives. As Lord, even you spoke to me this morning and you said, I will meet my people in the place the tabernacle of my presence. And Father, you have done it. We bless you in Jesus' name.